Uh, as you know, we've been focusing on a series entitled Journey to Freedom, and this series has been based on songs uh, written by Zach Williams. Uh, Zach Williams wrote a song, and he sung it also with Dolly Parton. Anybody ever hear of Dolly Parton? Some of you have, okay. Uh, and it's called There Was Jesus. Now, I was going to sing it for you, but I want you to remain here for the, re- the remainder of the message But I love the lyrics of this song. It includes the following. Every time I try to make it on my own. Every time I try to stand and start to fall. And all all those lonely roads that I have traveled on. There was Jesus. When the life I built came crashing to the ground. When the friends I had were nowhere to be found. I couldn't see it then. But I can see it now. There was Jesus in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or I couldn't see it, there was Jesus. Now, I want to know, is there anybody here that can tell me by the raising of your hands, that you know that there was a situation that you thought you couldn't get through, but there was Jesus, and he helped you through. Anybody ever experienced a condition in your life like I did, where you had tried through self-will and self-effort to free yourself up, but over and over again you would trip up, you would fall down, you find yourself flat on your face, and you would ask yourself, when? Is this going to be over? When am I going to finally overcome this? And then you came to the end of your road feeling desperate and feeling like there was never going to be a change. But then there was Jesus. There was Jesus. There's something about knowing that Jesus is present. And when you know it, it causes you to believe that there is hope and So I want to share on this journey to freedom message out of a passage in the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, a familiar account for some of us. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And it reads, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go. For your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus down 
the road. The estimated number of cases of visual acuity loss or blindness is more than 68% higher than the previous estimated or estimate created by the 2012 vision problems in the U.S. study. This increased number is due to the inclusion of people younger than 40 years old, adults in group quarters such as nursing homes or jails, and the growth of the number of older Americans. Researchers found more than 7 million people are living with uncorrectable vision loss, including more than 1 million Americans who are living with blindness. Most of those are visually impaired with correctable vision, but many live in total darkness. Some famous blind Americans include Helen Keller, Fanny Crosby, Ray Charles, and Stevie Wonder. But one of my favorite blind Americans was Charlie Boswell, who was blinded while fighting in World War II while rescuing a friend from a burning tank. He had always been a great athlete, so after the war, he took up golf. He became famous and won 16 national blind golfing championships, usually scoring or usually shooting a score of less than 80. He could have beaten me. In 1958, Charlie went to Fort Worth to receive the coveted Ben Hogan Award. Mr. Hogan agreed to play a round of golf with Charlie. Charlie said, would you like to play for money? Hogan said, that wouldn't be fair. Charlie said, come on, Mr. Hogan. Are you really afraid to play a blind golfer? Hogan was really pretty competitive. So he said, okay, I'll play for money. How much? Boswell said, $1,000 per hole. Hogan said, that's a lot. How many strokes do you want me to give you? Hogan asked him. And Charlie responded, or he said, no strokes. I'll play you heads up. Then Hogan said, Charlie, I can't do it. What would people think of me taking advantage of a blind man? Boswell smiled and said, don't worry, Mr. Hogan. Our tea time is tonight at midnight. (laughs) I love that. Helen Keller said this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. E. Paul Hovey said this, a blind man's world is bound by the limits of his touch. An ignorant man's world is bound by the limits of his knowledge. A great man's world is bound by the limits of his vision. I want to ask you today, what is your vision for your life, for your family, for your future? What is your vision? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 18 in the Amplified, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. In other words, without vision, 
our lives are directionless and they will be fruitless. Without vision, your and my life will be directionless and fruitless. Rick Warren gives the simplest definition of vision when he said, Vision is the ability to see the opportunities within your current circumstances. God told Abram on one occasion in Genesis 13, 14, And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. What was the Lord saying to Abram? He was saying, from where you're at right now, there are plenty opportunities if you have the eyes to see it. You see, some of us assume that we need to get somewhere in order for opportunities to happen. Or some of us think that we've got to connect with this person or that group in order for opportunities to unfold in our lives. But God wants us to know that all we need is a vision from Him so that we can see that wherever we're at right now, there are opportunities to experience the unfolding of His purpose and the fulfillment of his promises in our lives. I'm saying to you today that no matter where you're at, there are opportunities if you have the vision to see it. And God wants to give you vision today because he has a future and a hope in mind for you and for me. Now, back to Mark chapter 10 and blind Bart. Yeah, I call them Bart. Yeah. Pastor Benny Perez, commenting on this passage, shares the following nugget with regards to this passage in the Gospel of Mark. He says that in the original language, the implication is that Bartimaeus actually said, I want my vision back. When Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He actually said, I want my vision back. Back, Meaning that at one time in his life, he could see, but he lost his vision along the way. Has your vision ever been lost? Has your vision ever been impaired? Has your vision ever been blurred? Have you ever been hit by life over and over again that your vision is blurred? Have you ever been disappointed in life to the degree That your vision becomes impaired. Have you ever experienced a loss in your life? A heartache, a heartbreak, a a, a situation of experiencing tragedy that has caused your vision to be lost. That's where Bartimaeus was. He had vision at one time, but now he had lost it. And it's possible because of discouragement due to difficult situations and circumstances to lose your vision. What happens when you lose your vision? We learn through Bartimaeus, first, you are sidelined. What happened when he lost his vision? He ended up on the side of the road, stuck and begging. Hmm. The problem with sitting on the sidelines is that you were created to walk with God 
on the road, not to sit on the sidelines and watch life pass you by. You will never be satisfied on the side of the road. Why? You weren't meant to be on the side of the road. Look at the Old Testament while the children of Israel were on the sidelines. David chose to go on the playing field uh, and take on Goliath. Why? He got a vision. Oh, I love what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. And don't miss it. I even, I even put it in bold so you wouldn't miss it. 1 Samuel 17, 34 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant what? Used to. Keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock. You see, David got a vision. When he saw Goliath, he didn't see an obstacle. He saw an opportunity. Where he, he, he got this revelation somehow that, yes, I was a shepherd, but that's what I used to do. Because now I'm about to be elevated. I'm about to go to another level. I'm about to begin to experience the unfolding of what I was anointed for. I'm about to make progress towards my future, which is to be the next king of Israel. This giant is not an obstacle. He's an opportunity for me to experience moving ahead towards the fulfillment of God's promise for my life. And I want to say to you that whatever the devil has told you, that This is the lot you have. This is what you might as well settle for. You're stuck here forever is a lie. God is able to get you off the sideline and move you to the front line and move you ahead to the vision that he has for your life. What happens when you lose your vision? The second thing that Bartimaeus teaches us is that you become dependent on the voices around to direct you. And when these voices are leading you, you will be tossed around with no sense of direction. Look at it. Look at what happened. Within the span of minutes, the voices telling Bartimaeus to be quiet are now telling him, cheer up. Why? Because people are fickle. I mean, the same people that are singing your praises are going to be shouting for your crucifixion. The same people that raise you up to the heights of heaven will drag your reputation to the dregs of hell. People are fickle. This is why you got to come to a place of understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because when he's guiding you, you will not only have a surety and a stability in your steps, you will go forward and you will move from glory to glory, from faith to faith through him. And then, if you lose your vision, thirdly, like Bartimaeus, you become defined by your problem instead of your potential. Every time we talk about him, what is he called? Blind Bartimaeus. He became defined by his problem instead of his potential. And what was the result? He was relegated to begging. He ends up on the side of the road begging. Let me be clear. You, if you are a child of God, were not called to be a beggar. 
The psalmist put it this way. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. The Lord wants to do more than get you out of your stuckness. He wants to lead you to fullness. Jesus said I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Don't you settle for the devil's lie. This is your lot. This is all you got to look forward to. The devil is a liar. Jesus said I've shown up to let you know that through my power, I can take you where you never thought you could go. Now, so that's what happens if you lose your vision. But here's good news. The good news is that the loss of vision does not have to be permanent. You know why? Because Jesus was anointed to do more than raise dead people. Jesus was anointed to do more than heal the brokenhearted. Jesus was anointed to do more than set the captive free. Luke 4.18 in the Amplified says it this way. Luke 4.18 in the Amplified. Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. The anointed when the Messiah to preach the good news, the gospel of the poor, he has sent me to announce release to the captives and what? Recovery of sight to the blind. Did you get that? One of the reasons Jesus was anointed for was to bring recovery of sight to the blind. What does the word recovery mean? It means restoring what was lost. Did you get it? So it's talking about people that have lost their vision along the way are not hopeless or helpless because the anointed one, Jesus, can give you your vision back. Oh, the devil thought that he kept you in a state of blindness forever. But thank God for the anointed one who is able to restore not only your sight, he can restore the years that have been eaten away from your life. Woo! Now... I want you to get this. Mm -hmm. Say, get ready. Tell your neighbor, get ready. Uh, Jesus wants to restore vision to you about you. Jesus wants to restore vision to you about you. Now, Bartimaeus was son of Timaeus. Watch this. You know what Timaeus means? Highly prized. Highly prized. But watch this. Watch this. He was the son of highly prized. Valuable. Precious. But watch this. The word Timaeus, though, comes from the Greek word, the root word, tama, which means unclean. Impure. Mm -hmm. Mark names the blind man Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. The name can be translated son of filth. And certainly the crowd sought to further marginalize the blind man, the poor man. And make him think, this is who you are. You're nothing but a filthy animal. You're a scumbag. You're trash. You're not worth much. You're just a beggar. 
Oh. That's what the devil wants to do as the accuser. Make you think you're worthless. Watch this. God wants to change your vision of you. Look what he says to his people Israel. Oh my. Isaiah 43.4. He says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. Oh, you got to know it's so hard for Pastor Angel right now to not go you know. <laughs> my precious. <laughs> and this word precious it's from a Hebrew word, yakar. Watch this. Oh. It means to esteem, be prized, be valuable, be costly. I want you to get this. The shedding of the blood of Jesus for your sins reveals two things. One, how much it cost. To cleanse, to wash, to deliver you and me from sins, captivity, and clutches. But it also reveals how much God thought you were worth. So that's why when you look at the cross, look what it took to set you free. But also look at the cross and see God... Crying out loud and clear. This is how much I think you're worth. I will have my son shed his last drop of blood to have you reconciled to me because I think you're worth it. You see, this is the error of pop psychology. Look at yourself. Tell yourself. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're wonderful. No. Tell yourself. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator who gave his son because he knew It would take every drop of blood of his son to forgive me of my sins, past, present, and future. But also, in the shedding of the blood, he was through every drop of blood saying, This is how much I think you're worth redeeming. And when the devil comes and tells you, you're nothing but a son who is filthy. You're nothing but a daughter who is trash. And you're, you're just a scumbag. You're not worth much. You need to see and hear your father in heaven who is looking at you and saying, you are precious in my sight. I've given you my best because I want to bring to you the 
best that you can have. Life eternal. And bring to you the hope of life that is healthy, that is wholesome, that is delivering, that is a life that will bring to you treasures that are beyond. What are you saying, Pastor? You can't seize what God has for you till you see what God sees in you. As long as you think, I'm nobody. I'm insignificant. I have no value. Guess what? You'll stay stuck because you'll think, I deserve this. I'm not worth anything else. This is all I can settle for. Begging. And your father says, no. I see more than a lump of dirt. I see treasure in the darkness. And I want to bring that out. So what do I do, Pastor? Well, I want you to do what Bartimaeus did. Choosing a shout over doubt. Now I'm gonna. It might. It, what's the song? It might get loud. Is that the song? It might get loud. Yeah. So I'm letting you know now. It might get loud. All right. The Bible says again in Mark 10, 46 through 50. I love this. Then they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Notice many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard him. Hmm. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. They said, come on. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw his aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Now, there was a, a Baptist preacher. There's a Baptist preacher by the name of David Dykes. And he points this out, this Baptist preacher. He said, in the 1800s, Baptists were often called Shouting Baptist. Because they got so excited, they would shout, Glory, Hallelujah. He continues, There is still a group of Baptists in Virginia who are known as the Shouting Baptist. I think part of our problem, he says, is we've gotten too dignified to shout. <laughs> he says, the, These days, the only Shouting Baptists are angry folks in the parking lot after church. <laughs> He continues, I like to think of Bartimaeus as the first shouting Baptist. We are known as the snoozing Baptist, but not the shouting Baptist. He says, some of you want to shout amen or glory sometime, but you are afraid of what the crowd may think. Bartimaeus didn't listen to the crowd. He just shouted to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you know why he shouted? Because he knew. The one that can transform my condition is coming to town. He knew this is my opportunity for my breakthrough. And that's why, irregardless of the crowd trying to hush him up, he shouted louder. 
You couldn't take away his shout because he had a determination. I don't want to stay stuck in my stuckness. I want to experience the fullness of what he can give, the anointed one. And how do I know he was anointed? Because what he shouted. He said, Jesus, son of David. He knew that this was the anointed one. He knew this was the Messiah. He knew this was the chosen one. He knew this is the dead man raiser. He knew this is the heart regulator. He knew this is a doctor in a, in a sick room. He knew this is the advocate in a courtroom. He knew Jesus is the bread of life. He knew Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He knew Jesus is the water of life. He knew he's the true vine. He knew if I need my healing, I'm going to have to raise the volume. I'm going to have to make it known not only to the crowd around me that there's no stopping me, but to the Lord who is able to heal me. I'm going to keep shouting until you recognize that I mean business. I want what you have to offer. Now, some of you are like, well, but, 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 Pastor, you shout because you're emotional. I shout because I'm biblical. What do you mean, Pastor? Because the Bible says in Psalm 98:4, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. And then in Psalms 100, it says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. And then Psalm 47:1 says, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You want a power pack shout? Do what Bartimaeus did. What did he do? Uh, have faith in God beforehand and shout before God makes the move. I want you to see what Bartimaeus, his shout was powerful because he shouted even before Jesus got there. In verse 47, he says, it says Bartimaeus heard before he even saw God in the physical state. The Bible says he began shouting because he heard Jesus was coming and he had faith enough to believe. And like Bartimaeus, we need to take the little bit of faith that we have and we need to walk on it and begin to shout for what he will yet do. I shout not just because what he did in my past, but because what I know he can do in my present. I'm shouting now for the victory that's about to unfold. I'm shouting now for the breakthrough that's about to happen. You say, that's wishful thinking. No, it's faith. Faith has to act before it receives. Get your shout on. You see, back in the days, some of you boomers like me, you, you, you remember that commercial about the, 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 that, that shout? Remember that thing that would take stains out of your clothes? And remember how it would say, shout it out. Remember the slogan, shout it out. I mean, if you needed the stain out, it would say, shout it out. And then you put the liquid on there and rub it, and, and then it would take away the stain. Well, let me tell you how you can get rid of doubt, unbelief, negativity, how you can get rid of that sense of hopelessness, that sense of discouragement. Shout it out. Uh, shout it out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, like when you're desperate. I mean, some of you like act all humble. And, but when you're desperate and you're there at house and nobody, you think nobody's around you and you're frustrated. Ah! You'll let out a shout. Huh? 
Everybody's been at that moment where you're like, okay, nobody's here. Ah! And then some of us, we'd be watching our teams and, oh, yeah, 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 go, 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 go. And some of you, I mean, I, you look all like this right here and all like relaxed, but man, if we could catch you on video. Some of you non-shouters in church, you good shouters in your living room. And then you're talking about, well, I don't know about that Pastor Angel. He's too shout. He shouts too much. Let me tell you something about Pastor Angel. I shout for my Raiders loud. But I also shout for my Jesus louder. But let me say, louder. Uh, so if you want a power-packed shout, you got to shout before. And then you got to ignore the crowd because people are going to come around. You don't need to be so loud. Shh, calmate, calm down. You don't need to be so emotional. And yet those same people, they watch their favorite show. What do you mean, don't be so emotional? Look at you. Over. (laughs) The crowd's going to come and try to dampen your praise. But you say, why do you praise the way you do, Pastor? Because I've been through some stuff. And I know who's gotten me through it. And I'm going through some stuff. And I know who can get me through it. You see, that's why I shout, because I know that like Job, no matter what's going on, I know in my knower, my Redeemer lives. I know my Deliverer lives. I know my Helper lives. I know He's alive and well, and I'm going to shout His praises. Be a leader, not a follower. Uh, And then... Take affirmative action off your shout. What did he do? After they said he's calling for you. Notice what he did. It tells us there in verse 50. He threw aside his coat. Why? He was saying. I'm not going to lead you anymore. Watch this. This coat was very important to Bartimaeus. After all. This was the only way that he could survive. This coat was issued by the government. It gave the wearer legitimacy. Watch this. This coat that he wore, it gave you, it gave you the qualification to collect alms. Mm -hmm. That was a beggar's cloak that would often, it had pockets on the inside so that the beggar could hide the food and money given to him so that he could appear he had nothing. That cloak, that coat was his security blanket. It was his identity, but he tossed it away. (laughs) And when he tossed it away, you know what he was saying? You're my past now. (laughs) You're in my past now. I don't need you anymore. I'm not going to be 
remaining a beggar. I'm about to get my healing. And I'm not no, I'm no longer going to be on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. I'm no longer going to be sitting on the side of the road. And oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to change positions now. I'm going to experience a change in my condition now. And he, 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 he threw away aside uh, his cloak. And this is why. Watch this. Don't miss this. Faith. To see is faith that can be seen. Faith to see is faith that can be seen. Don't tell me you have faith and do nothing. Uh Uh-uh. If you have faith, you'll do something. You'll take a step. You'll act on what he's telling you to do. So when he throws that coat aside, he's saying, I believe I'm about to experience what I need him to do in my life. So I want to ask you, what do you need to throw aside? What have you been depending on that's kept you in stuckness? Is there a hurt? Is there a hang-up? Is there a habit? Is there an unhealthy relationship that you need to put aside? Is there a dependency on a substance that you need to cast aside? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, having a great cloud of witnesses, it says, being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything off that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles. Remember, vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. In the words of Tony Morgan, a vision without a voice is just a dream. See, Bartimaeus, though he had no sight, he had the vision to believe, I can see again because Jesus has come to town. He's the anointed one, the one anointed to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Therefore, he raised His voice and what happened? The man that was on the side of the road is now on the road. (laughs) Coming to Jesus and then the Bible teaches us that after he was healed in verse 52, it says that he was now following Jesus down the road. Did you get that? He was on the side of the road, stuck and begging but now they said cheer up Jesus is calling you so he gets up and now he's on the road making his way to Jesus and then Jesus says what do you want me to do he says he says I want you to heal me I want to see again I want my vision back and Jesus says your faith has healed you and the Bible says immediately he's healed and now that he can see he sees Jesus and now he's following Jesus watch down the road do you, do you see now the man who was stuck 
is now moving. The man who was bound is now progressing. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, you are supposed to be progressing, not begging. You are supposed to be progressing, not begging. Because Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Do you see it? In the walk with Christ, you go from one level to another level. You don't stay stuck. God has not called you to a life of stuckness. He's called you to a life of fuller fullness in Him. What I'm saying to you today, this is your day to get the vision that God has for you. God says to Jeremiah the prophet, I know the plans that I have for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I've got thoughts of good for you to give you a future and to give you a hope. I didn't intend for you to live bound by your past. I've intended for you through the blood of my son to be set free from your past and to begin to experience the unfolding of the potential that I see in you. I didn't call you to remain captive. I've called you to be free. I didn't call you to be blind. I've called you to see. I didn't call you to remain in that habit enslaved. I've called you to health and wholeness through the power of my name. What I'm saying today, church, there is one who's anointed that no matter what our condition is, we don't have to stay stuck in it. He is able. No matter what that disease is that holds you bound, He can heal you of it. I'm not talking about somebody with a fancy title on their door. I'm talking about the one that says I am the door. You want to enter into life eternal? Come to me. I'll take you and I'll lift you and I'll empower you. Uh Now you know why I shout. (laughs) Because I'm talking more than about a man, I'm talking about the God man. And he's able right now. And I know there are some of you here, you've lost your vision. You, you see yourself as insignificant. You see yourself less than how God sees you. God says to you, you're precious. My sight. And I've got a future and a hope for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for so loving us that you gave your best. The Word who became flesh. Jesus. The Messiah. Yeshua. Savior. I thank you, God, that you are the restorer. The psalmist said, he restores my soul. Somebody's soul has been beaten down. Now they feel hopeless, Lord. But you can restore hope in them. Somebody's vision has been impaired and even lost. 
because of disappointments, because of the discouragements that happened, that happened in life. But today, you want them to know that you can recover sight in their lives. You can give them their vision back. You can cause them to see what you see so that they can then seize what you see for them. going to open up this altar, this front area we call it the altar place to meet with God a place to come before Him and I'm going to say to you what that crowd said afterward to Bartimaeus and I mean it cheer up because He calls for you the Lord is calling for you to come to Him because He's able to give you what you've lost. He's able to restore your vision, your purpose. He's able And so I'm going to invite you that would say, Pastor Angel, I want my vision back. I want to see what God sees. Not only in me, but what He sees for me. Truth be told, I've I've experienced the impairment of my vision. I've been disappointed. I've been going through a season of discouragement because of what's happened in my life. And my vision has been blurred. My vision has been out of focus. I need my vision back. I need clarity. That's you. Come right now. Don't wait on anybody. You come. You come. This is your moment. That's it. Come. I want my vision. I want to see what God sees in me. I want to see what God sees for me. Come, come. He's a restorer. He's a restorer. He's a restorer. He's a restorer. He can restore your vision. He can restore what's been eaten away. That's who He is. And my soul knows it very well. He's a restore. Yeah, that's it. We have prayer team members come join me. Bring in prayer. Brian and Jill, if you would join. Brian, would you come as well? Brother Brian, Rebecca, Jeanette, Robert, come and lay hands. Come on, prayer warriors. Let's begin to agree in prayer for these that are coming. Let's pray. That God would open their eyes to see. Just like Elisha prayed for his servant. Open his eyes that he may see. He was able to see chariots of fire round about Elisha. Round about the mountain. He was able to see 
that God had their back. God provided what they needed. Yeah.